Welcome to Welcome to the Hallwell Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we are joined today by our secret third podcast host, our baby. Ah, yes. We, we usually record after she goes to sleep, but lately she's, we've been experiencing the joys of sleep regression. She's just not sleeping anymore. It's super fun. <laughs> so we're recording in a slightly different room and with a baby, so... Yeah. If you hear her or the room tone sounds different, that would be why. That is correct. Although, we are here to talk about one of my favorite episodes of Charmed. Yeah, we are talking about Charmed Season 2, Episode 18, Chick Flicks. Chick Flick. Chick Flick, yeah. There's no S. This episode is directed by Michael Schultz, who Mm -hmm. we have not seen before. This is his first foray into a Charmed episode. But it is written by mainstays Zach Estrin and Chris Levinson, so that is why it's so good. It really hits a good balance of, like, it's camp, it's fun, it has a little legit horror in it. Yeah, which is appropriate, since even though it's called Chick Flicks, it's about horror movies. Flick. Flick! No S! It's not Netflix, or alternatively, Pure Flicks. I just, I feel like we say Chick Flicks more, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter! So... You mentioned how weird it is that this episode is so good, considering it doesn't really expand the mythology a lot before we were talking about it. Mm -hmm. Outside of one major thing, which we'll get to soon. Okay. But I think that giving Phoebe this this kind of horror movie thing works really well. And by thing, I mean an obsession with horror movies. It's one of those really specific details that they hadn't brought up before, but it fits in really well with Phoebe. And it just, it shows writers who have a real comfort with who these characters are. Yeah, unfortunately, this will definitely get dumped later in the show where she goes from horror movies to actual chick flicks. Well, I mean, once she's an advice columnist, that, uh, advice columnists can't watch horror movies? That's not on brand. Uh. Also, Phoebe's brand just becomes one big looking for love thing Ugh. yeah later phoebe but let's not let's not focus on what's bad let's let's focus on what's good which is oh you mean like cruise photography oh my god okay let's go all right so the episode opens with piper gazing longingly out the window and prue using her you know super awesome photography skills to take a picture of her well, I mean, it's it's her new super fancy digital camera. Let's mention right now that she switched to digital recently because the magazine... The magazine was like, what are you, 10,000 years old when she revealed that she used, you know... Film. Which... They were like, okay, grandma, which is weird because, I mean... She, she's just a hipster, right? It's San Francisco. I'm sure there's lots of people still using film. Mm, that might come up this episode. Yes, yes. Anyway. Also, I do love the fact that she's positioned the camera that she's holding so you can read Kodiak across the bottom of it. Kodak? Sorry, yes, Kodak. <laughs> Not bears. I actually, uh, I actually bought an MP3 player that they did because apparently Kodak makes MP3 players now. Because uh, I just needed one for work. We weren't allowed to have our phones. Right, because information and stuff. And Apple does not make iPods anymore. I know! Like, I ended up having to get an old iPod off of uh, the internet. But I did first get an MP3 player by Kodak, which was awful. 
awful terrible sound quality it died after like two hours like you'd you'd have to keep it plugged in if you wanted to listen to it it was i think one of the worst pieces of technology i've ever owned and i'm like why don't more people make mp3 players so i mean it's because everybody's using phones now i'm pretty sure yeah but uh, being both an old person and an early adopter I joined Audible back when it first started being a thing years and years and years ago. And the reason I joined Audible was because if you got a subscription, they would send you a free MP3 player. Actually, I think I still have it in the garage somewhere. It's like, there's not even a screen. There's just like a play and a pause button. So you load it up and you can just play what you've loaded up without like selecting the next track. So you would load up a single audiobook. That's what it would hold. Wow. Yeah, right? Oh. But, you know, I, I, I got to listen to my audiobooks. Yeah. So, Prue has taken a picture of Piper and captured her essence because I guess Piper was under the impression that she wasn't actually looking out the window or that people didn't notice she was looking out the window. Oh, is this why Piper becomes so terrible? Did Prue just steal her soul? <laughs> No, that's not what happened. Prue's Prue's photographer. He's not good enough to steal anyone's soul. Oof. So Prue's like, I think I'm going to call this girl pretending not to look out the window. And Piper's like, I think you should call your face about to have my fist in it. No, what she actually says is either you're that good or I'm that obvious. Well, first she threatens to pour tea on Prue's head. And then she's like, oh, but this is a really good photographer. You're super talented at photography, Prue. This is a true thing about your character. The audience should know, Prue, is that you are a good photographer. And I'm sad that neighbor Dan is no longer, you know, receiving the glorious gift that is being in a relationship with me. TV Tropes calls this uh, an informed quality, right? Where Mm. we are informed that Prue is a good photographer. We do not see it on the screen. Like, I think she ranges somewhere between freshman photography student and, I want to say, 80-year-old woman who does beach photography for a hotel she owns that no one ever visits because it's musty. That is an incredibly specific burn! I'm, I'm sorry, but Prue has some just 101 super basic photo skills. Oh, it's too... It's two children walking down the beach holding hands. Hey, hey, hey. She put a sepia filter on that. God. Or, hey, look, it's Amy Adams. And it it was like... That was the worst picture of Amy Adams. Seriously. She's such a vivacious, attractive woman. And it looked like something your sad young aunt takes at Sears. It looked like a yearbook photo for somebody whose last name ends in Z, so they're at the very end of taking pictures, and the photographer's just phoning it in at that point. So, Prue sucks is sort of what we're circling around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, Piper's feeling le guilt because she has dumped Dan, because, you know, Dan was super obsessed with her, and she feels like now that she's dumped him, his life is ruined forever. He'll have to become some sort of garbage-eating monster. I mean, it's true. He's just a he's just a super attractive former professional sports ball player with like 
dimples for days and decent money because he works as a contractor, how could he ever expect to find love again? Floppy hair, shirts that don't fit one way or the other. Right, yeah. yeah. He, he could end up with a, what, what would you say, B-list actress? Because the guy's married to Angie Harmon in real life. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. We looked that up earlier. Yeah. Is she B-list or is she, like, high C? I think she might be high C. Mm, I think she's solidly B. Because, I mean, she was on Law & Order for a really long time, and then she was on Rizzoli and Isles for a while. She also had her own TV show, Policewoman. I have no memories of that. It's before your time. It's before my time, but... Wow. Wait, let me make sure that's right before we send it out there and then get busted on, uh... TV tropes. <laughs> right? They got us with the alias thing. Which is weird, right? I was so sure that alias had been a thing by that point. Oh, I was wrong. That wasn't Angie Herman. But you know what she was on? What? Baywatch Nights. She was on Baywatch Nights. The nights will never be the same. Maybe that's why you thought Lady Cop, because she was running her own detective agency, except not really David Hasselhoff was running it. She was also a Lady Cop in uh, one season wonder, Women's Murder Club. <laughs> did, did they revive that? I feel like that's a thing I definitely saw as still a thing. Are you thinking of how to get away with murder? No. I thought it was, I, I was, I thought there was like a lifetime original series that was like the babysitter's club except it's adult women who solve murders i'm sure i'm sure that's a show on lifetime i am 100 percent sure but this one only lasted one season so if if you're thinking of this one it, it's something else so having officially defeated piper in verbal combat Prue turns her attention to Phoebe, who has just entered the room and apparently also joined some sort of super hip 90s girl band. Yeah, she's the quirky one. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, she is the quirky one. Look at her hair. Her hair has this sort of weird, like, antennae coming out of it. It looks, uh, it's, it looks like prom hair with, like, prom hair tendrils. That's what's going on. And this is another very late... 90s early 2000s thing she's wearing like this super big very shiny red coat yeah it's like um it's it's like a brocade jacket a, a silk brocade jacket and then she's got red brocade on her jeans as well it's it's a lot of look is it just because we were watching girls five evo recently which is very good you should check it out but like she looks like that's a that's a girl band look posh hollowell god it's a p it's a p yes and you know what it, it actually works with the with the thing phonetically which phoebe doesn't i always feel really bad for phoebe because they still had a name in reserve page they kept page in reserve just in case they had a third daughter that they liked better so Prue turns her attention onto Phoebe, who has just come in from her super hot date with the hottest guy in Hotland. The ideal man, she calls him. Phoebe mm. calls him. And Prue's like, oh god, you were watching that stupid horror movie you were obsessed with when we were kids. Not just any horror movie. Say the name. Kill It Before It Dies. That's such a great name for a cheesy 50s horror movie. For like a fake cheesy 50s horror movie. When I was talking about, like, long-running continuity established in this episode, Phoebe's favorite movie being Kill It Before It Dies kind of sticks around for the rest of the show, or at least well into the Cole years. Oh, okay. I don't remember the name of that movie coming up again, but I definitely believe it. She watches it in a later episode, and 
I, I, it's one of the things when Cole is trying to seduce her, he brings up as it's his favorite movie. God. Because he did his, he did his research. He talked around. He talked to people in the underworld. Cole is the one competent villain they ever fight. I can't wait to talk about Cole. I really can't. But right now we're talking about Billy, but not that Billy. No, no. So, yeah, apparently watching this movie when she was a kid is what taught her what to look for in a man, which makes sense because she had no father to, like, look up to to teach her what to look for in a man. So she fell for a guy who was a teenager in a 50s movie, which means he was in his, like, 40s. Exactly. So... He even has kind of a receding hairline. He does a little bit, yeah. Which wasn't unheard of. Shannon Doherty knows this. She was on 90210. Yes. I, like, I love Luke Perry, and he was super attractive, but even then, his hairline was kind of going back a bit. Yeah, yeah. I'll see, yeah. So, Phoebe talks about how, you know, she loves him so much, and he was, you know, you know the... I feel like everyone has that moment where you, while you're watching TV or you see a poster in the mall or something and you realize, oh, that's what I'm into. Yep. I feel like, I feel like this movie was definitely Phoebe's like, oh, I like dudes moment. I, I will not say what mine is because I feel like it, um, is too revealing, but I distinctly remember it. Yes. Mine was a Mountain Dew commercial, so I have no shame. (laughs) All right. But, uh, yeah, so Phoebe thought that, you know, she's like, well, the only bad thing about a date with the perfect man, a fictional man from a movie that I've loved since I was a kid, is that you come home alone and a demon's like, aha, no you don't. Right? Not if a demon (laughs) stalks you out of the theater. Yes, this guy, I love how he just kind of pops out like, yeah, (laughs) like like a horror, like a monster in in a haunted mansion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like a character. Yeah. <laughs> but he just, he jumps out at Phoebe and Prue immediately throws him across the room into, that clock has to be demolished so many times over the course of this show. Okay, so at some point we're going to get a shot of the basement. Like in an episode where we're dealing with the Nexus, we'll go down into the basement and we'll see that there's like thousands of clocks a hundred grandfather clocks just so they can swap them out when they need to remember that episode of uh remember that episode of full house where michelle gets a goldfish and she accidentally kills it so the uncles buy like an entire cabinet's worth of goldfish so they can just swap it out whenever she accidentally kills it and we never look at what's in that cabinet again so we could just assume that it's always full of goldfish yeah 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 that that is a thing that happened on full house a show that we watched all of to prepare for the 90s episode of WandaVision, only for them to skip over the 90s and go right to a Malcolm in the Middle pastiche. A very good Malcolm in the Middle pastiche, but... But still. I have to assume that they skipped over it because of Elizabeth Olsen, right? Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, it was the obvious thing to do. Like, obviously going to be Full House. That is the quintessential 90s dom-com. Yeah. So speaking of quintessential 90s houses, back in Charmed. Yes. uh, After being smashed into the clock, he realizes, "Uh uh-oh, there's more than one witch in this house and cheeses it. And Phoebe and Prue very proactively just chase after him. (laughs) Specifically so that we can have this moment where Piper, who's gone upstairs to take a shower to prepare for her date with Leo. Her first real date with Leo. The other dates didn't count? No, because she didn't know he was an angel, I guess. Did she not go out on any dates with him after she found out he was an angel? No, she didn't. Okay. But this still counts. Yeah. 
I just because he was lying to you the whole time doesn't mean they don't count. Hey, those were lies of omission. She never directly asked if he was a white lighter. Okay, no. We should address this. Those are serious lies, and here is why. Mm -hmm. He was allowing her to believe that they could have a serious relationship when he knew that there was something out there preventing that from happening. It's like the lie of omission of if he had not told her he was married when he was actually married. Mm. Also, like, like you wouldn't you wouldn't say it was just a lie of omission if he was married. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, he had a commitment that was going to keep him from being a partner to her. But yeah, but Piper comes downstairs in her robe and she sees the smashed up house and is like, Ugh. Guys? Guys? I have a date, goddammit. I have to say, though, that's a pretty good comedic beat. It is. So, the demon runs back to the movie theater, uh, which is still playing Kill It Before It Dies. It's a revival house. There's one guy in the audience, so... Well, I, so I have to assume this is the only thing they're playing, and so they played it at 7, and then presumably this was the show that started, the showing that started a little after 10, so I guess nobody came to that one. Except for this one guy who has lines, but otherwise would be my VIP extra. He's, I guess he's my VIP under five line guy. It's kind of funny because last episode when Phoebe was all worried about, you know, wearing glasses, we sort of talked about how thick glasses sort of came into vogue so that stopped being a thing people were self-conscious about uh-huh and i feel like they also kind of stopped being a signifier of nerds which they definitely are here because this guy's very clearly some film nerd that's a good point this is like right on the line where glasses still signified nerdiness mm -hmm. yeah 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 this guy's got glasses and he's as you said obviously a film nerd when the girls chase the demon in he's like shh i'm trying to watch the movie which is fair. I would be upset if I was watching a movie and some girls chased a guy into my movie theater and then made up a really awkwardly metered rhyme and he exploded. Because... Because that's what happens. Yeah, yeah. Prue's like, Phoebe, vanquish him. Like, just use a, use a vanquishing spell. And Phoebe's like, I don't know the vanquishing spell for this guy. And Prue's like, just make one up. And she's the like... The spell is in your heart, Phoebe! I do like that they reference... Uh, Phoebe, Phoebe talks about, okay, I'll combine the spell I used to kill the whatever demon with the spell we used against the oozing horror or whatever. I do like the implication that they have been fighting other demons off screen. Yeah. So Phoebe does her little rhyme. Phoebe drops some sick beats on this demon and he explodes. Sick being the operative word. <laughs> but then the guy- That poem was so bad he literally died. <laughs> yes! Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. But the guy in the audience is like, whoa, that was a great special effect. Because he thinks it's like one of those things like in the movie Matinee where they're, and also reality, where they do stunts within the theater. Hmm. And Phoebe's like, yep, yeah, that's, that's definitely what this was. That totally ties into this movie somehow. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that, but... We, I mean, we will find out that this demon has been traveling with this film strip. So he has been showing up in the movie. Wait, but Phoebe would have recognized him. If yeah, because she's seen this movie so many times. Wouldn't she have been suspicious to see a character? Or maybe she only has eyes for Billy when she's watching it. That must be it. She's like, there are other characters in this movie? What? <laughs> that must be it. So it turns out he didn't kerplode. As soon as the sisters walk out of the theater talking about 
you know how easy it was to blow him up but a, you know wuss ass demon he was he appears on the screen Woo! and then he like looks directly at the audience and gives a i am definitely gonna kill those girls look and the guy in the audience is like wow this film is really meta for the 1950s god and we go from that to credits yes we go from that to credits neighbor dan is still in the credits which i mean i guess he's still in the show but well he appears in this episode i a few episodes ago i said i thought it was his last episode and that ended up being really not the case well i remember he gets officially out of the show in the french stewart genie episode which i think is the season two finale Mm -hmm. i can't wait to talk about the french stewart genie episode so we get a bunch of night shots of San Francisco, which makes sense because this all happened at night. I feel like we're getting some new shots. There are definitely new shots of San Francisco, which is funny because I feel like the opening establishing shot stuff exists just to pad out the episode, but that they they, they sprung for some new B-roll. Mm. So uh, it would make sense to have some on hand, though, for night stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because Charmed is a very horror-by-daylight show normally, but... They could do more night stuff. It is a witch show. I gotta say, it really bugs me, especially now that you bring up the San Francisco by night stuff. It really bugs me that this wasn't a Halloween episode. It feels so much like it should be a Halloween episode. Well, you do remember what day it did come out, though, right? Yeah, it came out on April 20th, so... Wah, wah, 420. Yeah. So, the girls are cleaning up the uh, front hallway. Piper, you have a date, my word. It's kind of it's kind of fun. Uh, th- this episode is kind of a meta episode in and of itself because Phoebe talks about how weird it is to start at the manor and then end up someplace weird to vanquish a demon. So I don't actually know if this is an accurate bit of meta, though. I feel like they very often vanquish the demon somewhere that's not the house. That's true, but it is also true that the beat of the demon fighting them in the house is usually like the end of Act 3. Mm-hmm. So, this is kind of advanced for the, or not advanced. This is kind of a different structural oddity. Yes. Also, she, she's recognizing that there's a pattern to the constant attacks on their lives. <laughs> yes. Also, Prue wants to know how come they never fight like the demon of housekeeping or the demon of cleaning up after yourself. And it's like Prue, if you killed that demon, your house would just be dirtier. Come on, Prue. She even talks about it. She's like, I could kick Mr. Clean's ass. Mr. Clean should come at me. It's like, no. Why would you attack Mr. Clean? He's he's obviously he's obviously a good guy. Yeah, I I think of him as sort of a benevolent demigod. Yeah. He's the benevolent demigod of cleaning. Clearly. Like, yeah. Mr. Clean is a beneficial force in the universe. Don't kick his ass, Prue. Right? You don't want to get blown through a wall, do you? <laughs> Meanwhile, on the answering machine, they realize that there's a message from Leo being like, Hey, Piper! Okay, so does Leo have his cell phone, or did he have to ask the uh, restaurant to let him call? I, I think he had to ask the restaurant to let him call. So Piper's like, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it, the date. And they're like, oh, come on. And she rushes off. We cut to Leo in the restaurant, and I think this is the cutest detail. He's wearing this, this like, blue shirt and blue tie, and Piper comes in, and she's wearing this kind of matching blue top. It's very cute. Yeah, their outfits, it, speaking of prom hair, their outfits have a real, like, prom look, but clearly they didn't plan it. So, yeah, it's just, 
It's just the costumers showing us that they are on the same wavelength. And speaking of being on the same wavelength, Piper is like, oh, I'm sorry I'm late. It's just that I had to fight a demon. I can tell you that. You know what's up. I do I do really love her starting the whole spiel and then her being like, oh, right. I, I don't have to have a relationship that's fundamentally built on lies. Oh, that's, that's neat. I can just say demon in this crowded restaurant. Demon, 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 demon. Hopefully nobody we know is within earshot. Oh, right? Oh. So the waiter brings in their appetizers that Leo ordered for them. Yeah, because, of course, he's been sitting there for quite some time. Yes, and Piper's like, hey, uh, there's no salt. Will you ask the table behind us for some salt? Okay, this has to be, I feel, I don't feel bad for him because it's neighbor Dan. But Neighbor Dan has to be aware that Leo was sitting directly behind him for his entire date with this random blonde lady. I know! Imagine imagine the willpower it took to not do anything at that moment. Imagine the way his heart sank when he heard Piper say, Hey, can you ask that guy for the oh, salt? Oh, God! Also, I also, mean... Also, why didn't they have salt? I mean, I guess it happens. It at the table, yeah. 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 Also, I mean, is the demon they're going after the demon of awkward dates? Because, oh my god! Hey, hey, Dan's on a date with a blonde woman. Maybe she's the demon of awkward dates. There you go, evil blonde woman. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Anyway, he introduces her as Amelia. And Piper's like, oh, Amelia from work? Who's just a friend? And it's like, <laughs> Piper! You have no ground to stand on here. Are How many times did you tell Dan that Leo was just a friend? Are, are you the sister who's going to gain levitation as a second power? Because you are standing on no ground right now. So Piper starts pouring two tons of salt into her food. And then she's like, you know what? Can't deal with it. Freezes the room. What? You can't just freeze things every time you feel awkward. I like how she kind of, she's like, Ugh, and then she zoops Leo back. Like She unfreezes Leo. She freezes everyone and then unfreezes Leo. Like, you know what? Let's just have our date while everyone else stays frozen because that's the kind of weird, evil use I'm going to make of my powers. So Leo, she's like, look, we'll just have a frozen date. It'll be fun. And she goes to clink glasses with Leo when suddenly he gets a call from one of his charges. And she's like, oh, I just wanted this date to be normal. And it, and it's like, I well, mean. Well, I mean, it's not abnormal to be called out if you have a job that involves I being mean, on call and taking care of people. This he, be, he's basically a doctor, right? I yeah. Mean, it would be no different if she was dating a doctor. Although, what a bad white lighter Leo is because he starts to orb out. And I know everyone's frozen, but it would still look like you just disappeared from the middle of the table if you orbed out when everyone was frozen. I guess he has just, like, no concern for secrecy. But it, Piper is like, please, let's have a normal relationship. At least leave me sitting here upset instead of orbing away leaving me here upset. So she unfreezes everyone and he gets up and leaves. Yeah, I do like from Dan's perspective, Piper just got there and Leo immediately stood up and left. I know, and I know I just said, like, or you just said it's no different than if he was a doctor, but... Uh, they don't know. Well, Dan knows that he's not. Mm. Dan knows that he's just some guy who lives in her club and occasionally does handyman work for her. Also, Leo stuck Piper with the check because she orders the check as soon as Leo walks out. Oh, yeah. 
So Man, this is really building up Dan's case for why Leo is not a good guy. Mm. So we cut to Prue at her new job, and you know what I appreciate? What? Charmed is a very it's weird because Charmed is definitely a show for women, but also most of the fan service seems sort of geared towards men. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that struck me upon rewatch of this show, and honestly, Friends, is how very, very often you can see female characters' nipples through their shirts, something I somehow did not clock on my original watch of either of those shows. Oh, it's a very 90s thing. But Charmed is proving that it is, you know, an equal opportunity show because, man, can you see Prue's boss's nipples through his shirt. And he's wearing, like, a sweater. Right? You have to work to do that. So... Prue's boss and his nipples tell Prue that she's going to be taking pictures of this fancy smancy photographer guy for the... Finley Beck. Oh my god, Finley Beck. The most photography of photographer names. Yes, he is the most photographer to ever photo. And just, and she's, and, 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 he's Prue's hero. So I'm sure you can see where this is going. Oh yeah. The guy bursts in, and I, I, you know what I appreciate? I appreciate that they, they're not subtle at all at making him the worst person on the planet. Like, he walks into the room, and he just knocks a coffee cup out of someone's hands. He smacks an intern right in the face. Like, he's like, <laughs> like, the most blatantly evil character ever. He comes in, and he's like, oh, you're shooting me with a digital camera? Why don't Freaking you just take millennial. Why don't you just take a picture with a garbage can? And Prue's like, "No, my hero. How could he? Also, how much does this suck for Prue because the magazine just made her switch to digital?" Right? Photographing photographers has to be the worst, like teaching teachers or driving uber drivers i guess everyone does that now yeah no i was gonna say uh treating doctors Ooh. Oof. so we cut back to the manor well where uh phoebe is doing a really good job dressing like a college student in this uh in the scene i really buy her as a college student outfit wise yeah she's got like a, a tight graphic tee and a cardigan over or like a like a sweatshirt, cardigan-y, hoodie thingy over it. Mm-hmm. So, and jeans that don't have some sort of weird brocade all over them. Piper is wearing a kind of big mauve shirt. This is a mauve shirt that says, you know, sadness. I, is that what color mauve is? I think it's more beigey. Yeah, you're right. It's more beige. Her sweater is really a kind of a, you know contemplative sweater this is a thinking sweater this is a sweater you put on before sitting in your sunroom while it rains and drinking a cup of tea and just kind of gazing out oh yes yes this is the sweater of a a comfortable retired woman who gardens and bakes Mm. yeah yeah so phoebe's like why aren't there any good men who aren't fictional why and then Leo comes in and she's like, why are all the good men fictional or dead? Dead, <laughs> dead and dating your sister. Also, maybe don't go trolling for ass at the college. I know she's still, like, college age. Yeah, she's definitely college age. But she's like, only just barely 21. That is true. 
that is true yeah there was a guy i was quasi friends with in college who was like in his 40s and on one hand you know whatever you know i'm not judging but also it, it seemed weird that he dated other students yeah no it's a very right like i keep getting older and they stay the same age but less creepy because you're talking about college girls instead of high school girls but still yeah yeah yeah. So I guess it's not weird that Phoebe would be trying to date college guys, but I also feel like she's kind of at a stage past dating college guys, even though she's still college age. Well, here's the thing. Okay, so when we're not talking about age gap, mm-hmm. then I think the thing that really makes a difference is experience gap. And if you're both college students, then you you don't have an experience gap. But she has had, like, a lot of, I was going to say, experience i was gonna say real world experience by which i meant like fighting demons so that's not real world experience but you know what i mean but you know what is real world experience she lived in new york she lived in new york but my point is she's seen some stuff right so she's seen stuff and it's gonna be hard to to have fought demons and then like date a guy who's like let me tell you about what i think of the uva of quentin tarantino god I was thinking that since she was a freshman in college, she was probably dating other freshmen, which I guess I don't really have any reason to think that. Yeah, that's not how college works. You don't you don't have to take classes in order like that. Mm. Yeah. I've, oh, you don't have to date people in, in and you're not, Right, and you're, you're not required to date the person who sits next to you in, uh, in physics or whatever. Unless you're in Professor Walsh's class. Exactly. I mean, I know it was a dream sequence, but do you remember when she's like, um, okay, everyone in the class, let's all watch Buffy and Riley make out. I think we all remember that sequence, yes. So, uh, Phoebe is sad that the only good men are fictional, and she, she, she mentions that she went to watch the movie again. Mm-hmm. Of course. Meanwhile, Leo's like, hey, um, that demon is really powerful. Are you sure you vanquished it? Yeah, because they describe the demon and Leo's like, yeah, I, I really, I, I don't think he killed him. They go to the movie house. Oh my God, what is Prue wearing? Okay, Prue, Prue is wearing a sweater with a keyhole cutout, mm-hmm. but it's not the kind of material that supports a keyhole cutout. So it just looks like there's a hole between her boobs. Yeah, and she's wearing this kind of weird... It looks sort of like a yield sign necklace. I know that's not what it oh, is. Actually, I like that. That's, that's I'm not saying cool. I'm not saying it's bad. It is weird. So they burst into the movie theater. There's a few more people this time. Well, because it's probably an earlier show, right? This is probably the, the early evening showing. Like how... Piper didn't freeze those people, did she? Like, I don't think Piper froze them, but they're having this entire conversation in front of everyone in the movie theater with the demon on the screen. Yeah, okay, so the three girls run into the theater. He's on the screen. They're like, oh no, the demon. He, like, looks out into the auditorium, and he's like, oh no, the witches. And, yeah, the audience is just chilling. Like, oh, interesting. Interesting what's going on here. I guess this is part of the show. I guess they filmed new footage to put (laughs) into this movie so that it could have a weird interactive element. I I don't know. And and speaking of Piper freezing, Piper does try to freeze him and Prue tries to like fling him away and neither of those things works because they can't use their powers across realms. Yes. He's like, I am in the movie realm the realm where all movies happen where everyone is apparently 
aware of everything that's going on all the time and they just live the same stories in loops? This is the realm that Dr. Whale came from. Yes. Yes, that that is a that's a once upon a time reference. Yes, they they live in the uh Hammerverse. So Billy's like, dude, we're trying to have a movie here and the demon's like, "Hey, shut up. I'm talking to witches right now." And Billy's like, you're not going to hurt them. You said you weren't going to hurt anyone. And he's like, I'm a demon. You're not a real person. And Phoebe's like, wait, but you're talking to him. And he's like, hey, baby, what's it like being a person who's small and not on a giant screen all the time? And she's like, oh, oh, my. Hello. Yeah, they're flirting. And the demon's like, I'm sorry. Can we get back to our showdown, please? What the heck? <laughs> and i love how he's like come on we were having a fight to the death what what is that even come on he says are you just gonna flirt me to death you know what we talked about the name of this episode at the beginning he's like this is a horror movie not a chick flick i mean he doesn't say that but that's that's the undertone and then he calls phoebe a bitch and billy is like i will not stand for that and just tackles him pushing him outside of the screen and billy comes with him so now the demon and billy are off the screen and Prue telekinetically throws the demon. I, I know she's just doing it so, you know, to attack him. But she basically throws him directly next to the exit so he can just walk out. And he's like, I'll get you next time, Gadget. Also, I didn't know I could pull people out of the movie. So thanks for the heads up on that. Bye. He's like, oh, thanks for the inspiration. And I'm like, how long have you been a demon that you're just learning this this is embarrassing for you my guy mm. it is embarrassing that you're just now finding out you can pull people off of the screen also he's the demon of illusion yes so which is why he's a high enough ranked guy for leo to have heard of him it seems weird that he's been doing this movie shtick for a while you think like he fought another witch in the past and maybe she tied him to this one movie because it seems odd that an upper-level demon is limiting himself as much as this. Yeah, he's not just tied to this movie. He's tied to this reel of this, or this this print of this movie. So, yeah, I think that does have to do with some sort of binding that we don't see. Mm. He can only go at, like, a certain distance from this film. Yeah. And that also explains how he gets vanquished later. Yeah, if, if his essence or something was trapped on that film. Yeah. And he just... You know, yeah. So the girls take Billy back to the manor, and he's really freaked out because you know, no one has lines. Normally, he just knows what he's supposed to say, and now he's he has like, to make it up. What's my motivation? And Phoebe's like, "Yeah, um, it's not a movie, so you just say whatever you want to say, and your motivation is whatever you want your motivation to be." I like how she's like, "You're not in the movie world anymore. We're all real, and you're." And the guy's like, look, this is all really complicated. Can you just make it as simple as possible? And Leo's like, protagonists. Guy who, you know, guy who you fought in the movie, antagonist. Leo's like, did someone say make it simple? Now it's Leo's time to shine. So Leo explains, you know, the Demon of Illusions thing is he hides in popular fiction and then he uses his powers to invoke bloodlust in the people watching him yeah which doesn't really seem like an illusion thing to me but yeah and, and billy says that that's what he's been doing he's been traveling with this print from town to town and causing bloodlust and okay uh 
I don't love the undercurrent in this episode of horror movies make you evil. Also, I gotta say, if any movie was gonna give me bloodlust, it would be Sweet Home Alabama, which is, like, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Filmed in Georgia. Oh! Yeah! I know! Sorry. So... Also, the plot of that movie is, I know that you want to go off and have your own life, but really you should live in this small town where everybody's mean to you and be with the first guy you ever met. I, I hate that movie so much. See, that's the movie you should be traveling in if you want to be inspiring anger. So if you were in this, uh, if you were in this episode of Charmed, then it would have a good reason to be called Chick Flick. Exactly. Exactly. After Leo finishes expositing about, you know, Oh, this is what the demon does. This is his motivation. Blah 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 blah. The uh, the guy's like, that was a lot of exposition. Don't you hate exposition to Phoebe? And Phoebe's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. It's the little meta things. It's it's not going to be as blatant as it is later. And la- later, Charmed kind of doesn't super have a fourth wall. Yeah, I'm, this this is definitely fourth wall breaky though. Mm. Phoebe has the realization that she saw this demon in the film. So. I guess, was he always in the movie? Maybe. Did she note, has she only ever seen this print? She might have only ever seen this print. Huh, that's that's interesting. Yeah. Huh, yeah. But yes, Phoebe realizes that she, she recognized the demon from the movie, even though she didn't put it together at the time. So, Piper, Prue, and Leo are going to go to different horror movies to see if they can catch the guy because clearly his next move is going to be pulling different people out of horror movies to you know murder and question mark question mark demon prophet murder and mayhem Mm. meanwhile phoebe's gonna stay in the attic and make out with i mean help billy figure out how to fit in in the modern world also she's going to call daryl and warn him that hey a bunch of people are about to start getting murdered in movie theaters so Heads up on that. Oof. Yeah. So, as Prue and Piper are going out the door, it's a really bit cute. It's a really cute bit of stage business that Piper's trying to help Prue put on her sweater, and Prue keeps on trying to help her by turning into the sweater, but she's going the wrong way. Yes, yes. It's yeah. It is a nice bit of physical business. There are some really great comedic beats in this episode. Yeah. So, so Prue gets a phone call from. The guy that she's supposed to be taking pictures of, douchebag Von Assface. Yes, Finley Beck. And he's like, we're supposed to have the photographs done by Thursday, so you better get on that horse. And she's like, yeah, look, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm out of the house right now, but as soon as we find a good time for both of us, and he's like, I'm outside of your house and I can see you. And she's like, uh, I guess what I have. A... That's so boundary crossing. That that's super creepy. And he insists that she take his picture now, so while her sister is leaving, like, her sister and her boyfriend, so he's like, he doesn't know that she's got another sister upstairs. He's like, hey, you need to just have your people leave so I can be alone in a house with you. Also, not take his picture. She's already taken his picture. He wants to stand over her shoulder while she develops it. Ugh, barf. The worst. The worst. It's weird because we were attacking Prue for being a terrible photographer, which, true. 
Yeah, but, but at least... Wow, I can't believe this was going to come out of my mouth. At least she's not a terrible person. <laughs> I mean, she kind of is, but no, nothing compared to Finley Beck. So, Piper and Leo end up at a movie... I think it's Axe Husband. Like <laughs> ex-husband, but Axe. Oh! So... Oh, I just, I just, I just got an idea for a horror movie spoof that's Ask Phoebe instead of Ask Phoebe. Oh. We'll have to, we'll have to do that later. Anyway. So, I, I, I guess this is sort of a. This is like a '90s horror kind it, of film. It feels like an early '90s slasher, like maybe right before Scream started introducing the whole like meta element to this sort of horror movie yeah like uh, my bloody valentine with the coal miner you know where it's people are trying to come up with their new horror icon but we're not quite the whole self-referential <laughs> slash era of uh horror movies yeah like this is the kind of horror movie that you have post, post 80s slasher pre ghost face yeah this is this is post uh post jason pre ghost face yeah definitely so the demon of illusions bamps into the uh, movie theater and he's like hey axe husband how do you like to go out and kill some real people and not just this fake blonde woman you're chopping up and axe husband is like oh yeah i'd like that and he's like cool so i need you to kill these three women you can kill anyone else you want like on your way to kill the three women but uh you know just make sure you kill these three women and he's like groovy and he hops out, and then... Also, I just have to say, I feel like we would be negligent if we didn't mention that I feel like there's some DNA in him that's Jack Nicholson from The Shining. Yeah, I could see that. So, he pushes the ex-husband out of the movie, and then he starts doing his make-people-attack-each-other-hate-mojo thing. He says to them... Let's make your PG lives a little more R-rated. It's like, dude, you don't know my life. You don't know my life! Also, just... I feel like this was an unnecessary thing. I feel like he had a good gimmick with, like, bringing the people out of the movie theater to kill. Right? Like, also making the people go, like, rage zombie is kind of a hat on a hat. Exact, exactly <laughs> the phrase I was looking for. It's a hat on a hat. And also, like, it doesn't seem super like it fits in with the whole Demon of Illusion thing. Yeah. Like, eh. But he he creates a rage storm, and all of the people in the movie theater start very mildly murdering each other because, you know, they're extras. They're not paid to, you know. Bleed. Yes, they're not paid to actually get punched in the face. So everyone's just sort of angrily pushing. I do like that one guy's response to this is to take a really loud cell phone call in the theater. He's like, ah, I see. My job is to in induce rage. <laughs> so up in the attic, I want to say somebody saw Pleasantville, but I feel like I might be inviting a... I, I don't remember when Pleasantville came out. Uh, Pleasantville was before this. So someone saw Pleasantville because... Phoebe is putting her makeup onto Billy so he won't be in black and white anymore. We mentioned was he was gonna... in black and white, right? Oh, you know what? I don't think we did. Billy is in black and white. And I was going to say, someone didn't see Pleasantville, and that someone is Phoebe, because if she had, she would know there's a much more uh, fun way to put, <laughs> make him be in color. 
wonder how Pleasantville holds up. I, I, you know what? I don't think I've seen it since, like, it came out. Like, I was really into it for a while there, but I, don't, I think it's been at least over a decade since I've seen it. We should, we should watch it again, see if it holds up. Yeah, I think it's on Disney+. Plus. We should check it out. Because there's a fair chance it might not, although it's, uh, it, it's one of the very few movies I can think of where there's a strong implication at the end that there's going to be a uh, three-way couple. Uh, a thruple? A thruple. I mean, I I think, I, I have a sense it probably won't hold up because allegories for racism that use white people as stand-ins for oppressed minorities are usually not the best. Yeah, like, I love the X-Men, but it's not the greatest metaphor, as, as I believe someone said. I, I would like to cite sources, but I can't off the cuff. X-Men is for people who want to watch stories about being a minority without having to actually look at minorities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know what? I could be wrong. Maybe it maybe I, I'm ready to be I'm ready to be proven wrong. Prove me wrong, Pleasantville. Prove <laughs> me wrong. So Phoebe's finishing up her makeover on Billy and she's like, Wow, you sure are super hot i guess in like a 50s movie star kind of way i'm sorry 50s b movie actor i said movie star and that was a bridge too far he could be a troy mcclure type oh yeah i could see that i could definitely see that like obviously not the character but the actor because you know the actor was based off of an old b movie star doug mcclure yeah so i could see the actor that played billy being that sort of guy yes Meanwhile, Billy is really excited about this whole free will thing, where he gets to actually do what he wants to do and doesn't have to just say his lines. He's like, I can, you know, I can say what I want to say. I can touch what I want to touch. I can actually eat food, which is something I've never done before. I could, I could whip my dick out. And Phoebe's like, you could, you could <laughs> whip your dick out. I, it's interesting that she is into him because of who he is as a person like he's the ideal man in her in her view but everything he is is fake is fake it is written for him but then i guess if you want to get metaphysical about it like to what extent is everything that we do scripted by our environment and our genetics and like what is free will and do any of us have free will and now she's making out with him and that makeup is going to come right off of his lips if only she hadn't used so much of it on his butt. <laughs> That's why he had to use this monster hand. <laughs> so, yes, she kisses him, but uh-oh, now his lips are black and white again. And, uh... Hmm. Hmm? Hmm. I mean... Making it kind of a reverse Pleasantville. It is kind of a reverse Pleasantville. It's just... Why are they bothering? I mean, I guess if he needs to leave the house at any point, but... I was wondering that, too. I was thinking about that when we said what everyone's job was, because I, he doesn't really leave them in this episode. I do love that she gets a phone call, and it's, it's Daryl, and Daryl's like, hey, so a bunch of people... Like, there was this weird thing where a bunch of people attacked each other at a movie theater and some people are dead. This feels like maybe one of your sort of problems. And Phoebe's like, oh, right, I was supposed to call you about that. Yeah. So there's a something that's doing something 
to cause people to try to murder each other, and that's going to be happening in movie theaters all around town. And Daryl's like, awesome. Thanks. Awesome. Neat. Daryl's like, so I will not be getting home on time today. <laughs> Meanwhile, down in the basement. Whew. Down in the basement, douchebag photographer guys like, oh, this is all so basic. You're By the such way, a th- small talent. <laughs> the dark room is in the basement. Like, okay. You mean it's directly over the woogie? Yes! It's, it's directly over the nexus, the source of... I mean, I'm not saying... Not, not the source of their power, but... Yes, it's the source of their power! Yeah, yeah. This seems like one of the worst places <laughs> to have a photography studio. Hmm, I wonder if putting false images on directly on top of this repository for just huge amounts of mystical energy i wonder if that might go wrong at some point it doesn't which is weird but it definitely should have also the woogie is in the basement well they 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 banished it it will not take this hallowell it's fine they just buried it under cement it's fine also, I, I'm surprised that Prue has her... I, I guess it's not too surprising that Prue has her own dark room and isn't using the one at the yeah. magazine. I guess that's not too surprising. Yeah. Although... Is she a salaried worker there? I, I, mean, I, I was just wondering. I'm like, is she a 1099 employee or a W-2 employee? That's the question. That's, that's what the people want to know. <laughs> so, the guy's telling Prue how much she sucks and, you know, how... She has no heart. It's all just surface. And I'm like, I mean, he's, he's not, he's not wrong. wrong. But still, I love Phoebe pokes her head into the dark room and she's like, Hey, Prue, there's something that's definitely not a demon that's definitely not pulling horror icons out of movies and sending them to kill people. That's definitely not happening. I just thought you should be aware. <laughs> and... Okay, so... Okay. So, the guy's like, Excuse me, we're not here to talk about things that don't exist, like demons or your ability to take a good photo. We're here to try to salvage the shit show that you set up earlier. Maybe I can fix it in post. Prue finally loses it at the sky, and she's like, Hey... You're a jerk, and I hate you, and you were my hero, and what the hell? And he's like, your photos are going to burn because you left them under the light too long. That's what happens when you leave something under the light. Yes, if you overexpose, your subject burns. Also, he mentions, I think kind of correctly, that he's like, he's like, look, I'm a very, very good photographer. If you read all of, like, you were just looking at me being a very talented photographer and assuming that it applied to me as a person which is bizarre you can be a totally awful person and still make beautiful art look at most art throughout history right like it's not on me that you had this weird image of me not being a giant dillweed which i mean on one hand that's a good point on the other hand that doesn't excuse you being a massive dick for no reason right uh, yeah Anyway, he, he starts to go up the stairs and leave, and Prue grabs her camera and takes a shot of him going up the stairs. I do really like this bit. 
uh, not not the photo bit, the next bit where Piper and Leo are going into, I guess they've just been crashing horror movies all day trying to catch the demon in the act. I mean, I have to assume they've been buying tickets. But yes, they've been going to, and this is what I'm saying why this should be a Halloween episode, though. They've been going to horror movies all over town. How many horror movies are played in this April this year? True. And these are all old movies. Like, these are all revival movies. Seriously. So I do. It's weird because uh, I I do like Piper and Leo together, mm-hmm. but I feel like they don't get a lot of great moments where they're being a couple just enjoying each other's company. Yeah, it, that's a problem I think with Piper and Leo. It's like it, it, it's hard to talk about them now, knowing what comes because. It's like with Piper and Leo, it's always something. And it's we get very little time of them being a good, happy couple together. So there's very little to, like, hang your hat on and be like, oh, this is why they should be together. But this is a really cute intro to the scene where they're going into this Bloody Mary movie. And uh, Piper apologizes for, you know... I'm sorry we didn't have much of a date last night. He's like, that's fine. I understand. The job comes first. And she's like, yeah, but, you know, why don't we just find a couple of seats, you know, in the back row and sneak in a little uh, making out before the demon hunting. It's it's really cute. It is cute. They're just kind of laughing together and then, also, whoa-oh. Also, if Phoebe's going to sneak in some making out with a fictional character, I feel like it's only fair that they sneak in some making out, too. Yeah. But let's talk about the movie. Okay, so... This feels like it might be a little too early for J-Horror to really be making the jump, but it has strong J-Horror vibes. It's weird, right? Because this this is before the American adaptation of The Ring. And I feel like that's where we can date back, like, J-Horror kind of becoming a thing, capital T, in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it's, like, unheard of that uh, American studios would be ripping off japanese movies like well and i mean the guy the guy in the scene in the first movie theater scene definitely has watched japanese horror films but this is more of a urban legend style later you know later slasher film we don't really get any implication that it's meta exactly in fact it doesn't seem like it particularly is well the rest of the film is a very 80s slasher vibe going on it's like a slumber party as as you mentioned it's called the the villain is bloody mary and that's who this character is supposed to be so i'm wondering if it's not just a coincidence that the monster the bloody mary monster looks like the girl from the ring yeah i mean it could be it's there have been a few bloody mary movies made Mm -hmm. i remember uh actually looking to see if there were a few years ago yeah but there's never been a big one which is odd you think she'd be like a major figure because we're not exactly uh overflowing with good female uh horror villains well i feel like Candyman kind of supplants bloody mary well yeah because he is the same he has the same shtick uh, obviously a completely different story but the same kind of appearing when you say his name stuff yeah i, I feel like carrie's kind of the only like before J-Horror, before, you know, we got Samara or... The grudge person. Yeah. Wait, was that a woman? It's, it, the grudge is like a child, right? What's there, the grudge? I don't watch J-Horror. Yeah. the There was a small ghost boy, but I don't think he was the one doing the killing in the grudge. I, I don't remember. But 
outside of sort of J-horror exports, I feel like we don't really have a big female horror icon thing, which is weird considering who the murderer was in the end of the original Friday well, the 13th. Well, I was going to say, I was going to say, right? We have Mrs. Voorhees and then what do we do? We bring her son back to life to be the killer in the sequels. Yeah, and then everyone's like, oh yeah, the Jason movies, when they should be the Pamela movies. Well. But, uh, I think Carrie's basically the big American one, though. Which, I don't want to get into it. It bothers me, but I also don't think there would be a good way to kind of handle it in an American movie. But it kind of bothers me that they never make Carrie heavy in adaptations of Carrie when she was explicitly fat in the book. I know, right? Sissy Spacek is tiny. Yeah. They always change it so it's like, oh, she has a stutter, or oh, she's... I don't know what the deal was with the Chloe Morantz version of uh, Carrie. I didn't see that one. Well, making... making characters who are originally fat thin is kind of a constant adaptational issue in america true unfortunately i was gonna go into a thing about riff regan being the original uh willow in the first buffy pilot but Mm. that's a whole actually it's the same kettle fish but that particular kettle fish has nothing to do with the episode we're talking about so (laughs) you're right charmed (laughs) charmed so bloody mary is the story of a very, very pale woman with black hair who's going around murdering girls at a sleepover until, uh-oh, the demon is here, and he shoots his magic anger dust into the crowd, but it doesn't affect Piper or Leo because they're both magic. And he's like, Is that oh. the way it works? And he's like, oh, okay, well, hey, Mary, go, go stab them to death. Go, go stab them. <laughs> I do really like the effect of her stepping you know on the screen she's stepping towards the screen and then they cut to her stepping off of the screen Uh, onto the floor yeah like it's an incredibly basic trick but i do really like it so she starts chasing after piper and leo piper tries to freeze her but cannot because she's a movie construction i guess she carried a bit of the movie with her Really, their powers should work on the horror movie people. I know! I was gonna say, it makes sense that you can't freeze things on the screen because they're in another dimension, but if you can't freeze things that are from another dimension, then, like, how are you freezing any demons ever? Well, they're from the same dimension, they're just from the underworld. Oh, okay. It's just nobody in the charmed world has dug more than six feet underground or else they would have hit where the demons live. Okay. They're like moles. Okay. Uh, so, down in the dark room, Prue is, you know, packing up her stuff, cleaning it up, putting it away, whatever. When the axe husband axes in! I, I do love how she, she tries using her powers on him, and he uh, doesn't move, and she immediately dashes out. She kicks him in the face. I feel like this is sort of not the beginning exactly, but... Prue gets a lot more kung fu-y later, mm-hmm. and I feel like this is our first real hint that that's going to be her thing. And once she gets out of the basement, she runs into the living room and runs up the staircase instead of out the door, which in this instance makes sense because, right, the attic is upstairs, that's the source of the Charmed One's powers, 
But also, it really reminds me of this line from Scream that they played in the trailer over and over again about how I hate horror movies. It's always just some dumb girl running up the stairs when she should be running out the front door. And, mm. I mean, that had to have been intentional here. Prue took the death, uh, the death arrow and not the safety arrow. Right? <laughs> so... Prue bursts into the attic. She closes the door and locks it, but... He's got an axe. Yeah, he just axes his way through the locked door. I like how she uses her powers to shove a bunch of stuff in front of the door, and he just chops his way through that, too. And Billy kind of pushes the two of them behind him, and normally Prue is at the front of a protective phalanx, but she doesn't care what happens to Billy. He's just a movie character. <laughs> oh, poor Billy. But the axe husband chops his way into the room, and... I, I love when the first time we rewatched this, Piper comes home conspicuously without Leo, and we're like, what happened there? But it turns out that Leo stayed behind to use his healing magic on the audience so they wouldn't start murdering each other. Which... Yeah, that's a smart use of his healing ability. Yeah, the first time we watched this episode, we were like, did you just leave Leo to die? I mean, obviously we know he, did. he didn't, but... I mean, although... Leo could be playing Billy's role here. We know that, uh, we know that the only thing that can kill a white lighter is dark lighter venom. I mean, it probably can't be great for him to get stabbed a bunch, but... <laughs> it's probably not pleasant. But it's less bad than if it happened to someone with, like, blood and stuff. Sure. I mean, if you'd stab Leo, just sparkles would come out, right? I don't think that's quite how that works. You think he has all of his old human fluids? Yes, I think he has all of his old human fluids. They're, they're, they're close to the expiration date, though. <laughs> so, upstairs, the, the ex-husband is axing his way through, through the attic. I love how Prue picks up a chair and kind of tries to lion tame him, and he just chops it up with his axe. It's a wicker chair! Where are your horror movie instincts, Prue? <laughs> But as he raises his axe to axe Prue and Billy and Phoebe, Piper just runs him through with a sharp post thing. Yeah, I think it's a piece of, like, rebar or something. I, I just, I love sort of the ruthless way Piper just, she just dabs that guy. She has no qualms. I I love the way that it's framed like a horror movie where we just see a really close up on the murderer about to kill them and then he falls downward and we see Piper behind him having just stabbed him. It's framed like, you know, that classic horror movie shot. So, which is foreshadowing for how we're going to be able to kill him. Mm. So... They all run downstairs because the ex-husband is immediately coming back to life. It's a horror movie. Come on. Right? When Bloody Mary jumps out and stabs Billy, and Billy's like, oh, I don't die in my movie, so I guess I'm immortal. And Phoebe's like, neat, can you just can you just be like kind of a, a knife and axe pincushion for a while <laughs> oh. while we try to get out of the way? Poor Billy. Meanwhile, Piper runs into the bathroom to hide in the shower, and it's like... I lo it's one of my favorite jokes in this episode where she's like, uh, and by the way, I feel like if it was someone other than Holly Marie Combs, they would not be able to sell it because Holly Marie Combs freaking nails it. She's like, I'm 
running from horror movie villains and I hide in the shower? <laughs> it's this like perfect combination of freaked out and angry and Yeah, she's like, come on, Piper, you're better than this! And then we have, like, the shadow behind the curtain, but you know that it's a fake-out, and it is, because it's just Prue. Yeah, Prue. Way, way to just very carefully sneak, walk in there, and move as slowly as possible while pulling the uh, corner of the, you know, shower. But as soon as they have the, oh, thank God, it's just you, Bloody Mary pops in. She's like, ah, oh, I'm really bad at stabbing people. <laughs> Who aren't Billy, I guess. So, now having all run around the house, they all meet up in the same hallway. All the protagonists, the, the three sisters and Billy. I love how they have this, like, Scooby-Doo all running into each other moment. And they all they all scream, including Billy. And it's not like a... They all sound, like, genuinely scared. So it's kind of funny because, you know. Yeah. Hey, Billy just got free will and he's using it to be scared of the horror movie villains, which is a good thing to do. I mean, although he can't die... I love how Brew immediately jumps to the right conclusion where she's like, wait, maybe the only way to kill them is to do the way that they died in their movies. But I'm a rom-com girl, and Phoebe's like, I'm not this episode. <laughs> yeah, Phoebe's like, good thing I've seen all these horror movies. They're up in the attic, and Bloody Mary finds them again. And Phoebe remembers that the way Bloody Mary dies is by going out a window. So she uses her kickboxing skills to uh, send Bloody Mary out the attic window and... Well, I, I do like that she... First she kind of flips her over. She does kind of like a judo flip. Yeah. So that she's in front of the window. And, and in a weird preview of how she basically exclusively uses her uh, levitation power later, she jumps, pulls herself up on the rafters and double kicks Bloody Mary out the window since that's how she died in the movie. Later, she mostly just uses her levitation to kick people. So. Yeah, just to get, like, leverage. So, her power is something she's capable of doing without her power. Her first act of power. Uh, convenient. Mm. Yeah. And yet, still too expensive for the show later. <laughs> right. When Bloody Mary falls out the window, she disappears by burning up like a piece of film left under the light too long. Yeah, it's a pretty neat effect. I like it, it's good. So then the axe husband bursts in, and Phoebe's like, oh, uh, in his movie, they killed him by electrocuting him. And Piper's like, oh, look, there's a bucket of water right here next to this old, faulty space heater that was plugged in. Okay. Hot take. The axe murderers saved their lives because that... That That's the most dangerous thing ever. That kind of space heater is already a death trap, right? It's already a, a fire-starting, electricity-sparking monster in general. Like, one of those old-school space heaters. And they have it in the attic when it's full of flammable things. I do like how Billy bursts into the room and he's like, Don't worry, girls. I'll protect you. And Prue's like, um, Billy, it's the 90s women can protect themselves now and he's like oh okay <laughs> i do love how immediately he's just like oh whatever okay you handle it because he's the perfect man yeah prue telekinetically tosses the uh space heater the, the space heater into his hands and he's like huh and then phoebe tosses the bucket of water that was next to it onto him he immediately is electrocuted to death and then he you know does the burning up film thing but that is a suit those were two very dangerous things to have next to each other you know, I, 
they really should have established that someone was mopping up there because why was there a bucket of water in the attic? I don't want to. I don't want to poke holes. I I just want to enjoy this episode, but. Anyway, downstairs, they hear someone at the door, and we have one last fake out. I do love how they're all moving as, again, like a Scooby-Doo-esque group. Right, where, like, they're all, they're all bunched up together, and, like, one person tentatively reaches out a hand, and then Daryl's like, Hey, it's Daryl, and your door is frosted glass, I can see you all! <laughs> so... They invite Daryl in, and Daryl's like, okay, so there wasn't just an outbreak at one theater. I've got stuff going down at multiple locations. What's our uh, what's our time frame on all of these super conspicuous, straight-out-of-the-movie murderers? And they're like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, there's a guy who's just pulling serial killers out of movies, and don't let your cops fight them because they can't be killed. And Daryl's like, ugh. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for dying and leaving me to deal with this. Right? Also, I have to say, everyone in this scene seems way too casual for the fact that there's still a bunch of killers out there. Like, they bring Daryl into the living room to talk to him, and they all sit down on the couches, and it's like, no one should be sitting right now! You should all be ready to go out there and kill the rest of these monsters. And Daryl's like, okay, look, I'm, I need to go back to the station and do God knows what. But just tell me when this is all going to be over, okay? When this is all going to be over, just give me a call. He's like, basically, I just needed to come in and get paid for this episode. Just needed to have one scene. Yes, I'm in the opening credits now. I need to be in every episode. <laughs> so Billy talks about, he's like, as soon as Daryl leaves, Billy's like, hey, you know, he was in my movie first. And he was like, always in my movie. And they're like, huh, maybe we can only defeat him, you know, in his home turf. Right. It's funny how they never really talk about why he's tied to this specific print of the movie, but I, I like that we can just assume that something happened previous with some other witch, but they get the realization that that's what they need to do. Yes, they need to all go into his realm to kill him, the movie realm, and they've made potions very quickly that will allow them to jump in and out of the movie world. Um, when they go to the movie... The same guy is there. And he's asleep this time. Okay, but can we just can we just can someone write a fan fiction from his point of view because he's obviously watched this movie at least twice, probably more than that. He's probably like the only guy showing up to the night showing every time. And one night when he goes, these two random girls just show up, attack one of the movie characters outside of the movie, and then that guy like jumps back in and he's like, "Wow, what was that about?" And then the next night he shows up, the main character is gone everyone's just like trying to figure out what happened we're pretty late into the movie at this point what, what? he he sat and watched that whole i mean he fell asleep at some point because he's asleep but was that was the whole movie just sally may being like billy 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 and the thing that dies or the thing that you have to kill before it dies is like billy come on dude come on dude i don't want to be alone with sally may it'll be super awkward I'm never even on screen. I think I kind of want to write this from his point of view. I think I might do that. I, oh, ooh, I might write that fan fiction. We'll see. We'll see. So they come into the movie theater looking for the demon, and Billy has to have a really awkward conversation with Sally Mae, where she's like, um, we're dating. You pinned me. What's going on? And he's like, look, I was only dating you because the writers told me to. 
I want a 3D woman who's, you know... In color. In color. And Sally Mae's like, Jesus Christ, dude. You're one of, like, two people I've ever talked to. Thanks. <laughs> oh, poor Sally Mae. Poor Sally Mae. So, Phoebe and Billy take shots of the realm drumping potion. I love how casually Billy kind of just tosses the bottle behind him because, you know, you just littered back in the 50s. It's true, you did. So Phoebe jumps into the film too, and I love that she has like no awkwardness with Sally Mae. She's like, yeah, I'm gonna jump into the movie. Hey, person whose boyfriend I'm, I'm having sex with because it doesn't matter because he, it, you know, he was scripted to love you, but he actually loves me. And uh, Piper takes the potion and jumps into the screen, and then the demon shows up. And makes a fatal error. He makes the worst mistake because Prue's about to jump into the uh, movie too so that everyone can just do a curb stomp on this guy's ass. So it can be the end of... Um... Death Proof? Yeah, so it can be the end of Death Proof. Spoilers for Death Proof. Oops. It's like It's over, over 10 death, years old, yeah. it's fine. But the demon shows up and wakes the guy up and gives him the, like... The rage. He infects... The rage, yes. Yes, he infects the sleeping guy with the rage. And the guy's like, eh, nerd power. And Prue just cold cocks him. But, but it prevents Prue from jumping into the film, which is good because then the film ends. And it turns out when the reel ends, you can't jump back out of the movie. Yes, the guy establishes that since he and Billy and Sally Mae are all part of the movie, then they will survive this real ending. But since Piper and Phoebe are not naturally part of the movie, they're just going to die. This plot point was later stolen for the movie Wreck-It Ralph? Yes. Oh my god, yes. Yeah, if you're not in your game, when your game gets unplugged, you die. Yeah. So... Prue, who is conveniently not in the film, astral projects up to the projection booth. She astral projection booths up. God, ugh. Luckily, there's a giant reverse button on the wall so she can just hit it and reverse the film. Okay. Also, luckily, the projectionist is asleep. Right. Now, in undergrad, I was a TA for a film class, and some of the films were really old and actually on reel-to-reel, and we had to use these old projectors. And, uh, no, there was not just a giant red reverse button. But whatever, there's only five minutes left in the episode. <laughs> yes, so Prue hits the reverse button. The film barfs her sisters back, you know, up. She does not rewind this film enough. I know, she rewinds it like 30 seconds. Less than 30 seconds, but it's enough time. The girls quickly take the potion and jump out of the film. But the demon of illusion's like, ha, huh, now you can't bewitch me because you're not in my world and I can only be killed in my world. And I'm invincible as long as I am firmly secure here in my world in this movie on the, uh, you know, on the reel. If only there had been a previous discussion about how to destroy film. <laughs> so, Prue's like, oh wait, duh, that thing that that photographer said who was being a real douche earlier about leaving subjects under the light. And I love how Prue just telekinetically stops the movie from going and he just burns to death. Yeah, she doesn't even, like, she doesn't even astral project up to the booth again. She just, like, flips the switch with her mind so that the reel burns and the demon is gone. 
I and would then, not be confident in that being a vanquish, but apparently it is. Yeah. And then they're nice enough to, like, go up to the projection booth and wake up the... Projectionist and be like, hey, the film's on fire. That was really nice of them. Yeah. And he says that he can save the reel. They only lost a few frames. Yeah. And, so... and, and he's actually using the real device that they use to repair films when, you know, old school film burns up like that. Film, I... I think people mostly know this but film is highly flammable mm. so that was a thing that often happened and you'd have to like take out a couple of frames yeah so i do like how they apparently are like hey can you play just part of this movie so our sister can say goodbye to her giant imaginary boyfriend <laughs> that guy's like okay sure why not hey he works in a revi- he works in an old school revival house in san francisco he's seen weirder shit yes so I do really like this scene. It must have been because they, they must have just filmed him saying all his all his lines, and then Alyssa Milano had to act against a recording. Yeah, yeah, probably. I love the way it's staged, right? Because Billy is gigantic because he's on a movie screen, and then you've got Phoebe standing kind of small next to him, and Billy turns and walks away off into the distance of the picture, and. Phoebe walks down with her shadow being cast on the film. It's really, really well framed. I mean, also their goodbye basically consisted of him being like, hey, Phoebe, you're a really great person. Don't settle. Keep looking for, you know, a good real man. And she's like, I sure will. And in Don't the back give up on love. Don't give up on love. It's so early, but this is already a thing for Phoebe. It's already been like three episodes of Phoebe, don't give up on love. She's 21 fine then we get a kind of cute scene of piper and leo snuggling on the couch and she uh, again she reiterates i'm sorry that we never got to have a real date and he's like look the nice thing about us knowing about our deals is that we don't have to worry about lies we can just be ourselves isn't it relaxing to not have to cloud yourself in secrecy all the time and she's like you know what it is it's it's put me so at ease that I feel like I can just leave the front door to this house open. By the way, not unlocked, actually ajar. And it turns out that maybe that girl was the uh, the demon of awkward dates. <laughs> because Dan comes by, and since the door is physically open, he just walks in. Okay, ignoring the fact that you live in San Francisco and you shouldn't have your door open anyway... Demons are trying to kill you all the time. Yeah, but demons have no respect for doors or locks, so. That's true. Also, later they can just teleport in, so. Yeah. What's the point, even? So, Dan shows up, and he's all like, hey, I brought your stuff back because... I bought a, I brought the tiniest box ever over to your house with all of the stuff you left in my house. It's like a tissue and half an earring. Right? Like a scrunchie. I... He wanted to... He wanted to think that she was going to come back to him, but when he saw her with Leo, he was like, all right, even I, the master of delusion, cannot keep pretending that Piper and I are going to be a thing again. God. Also, I know I was saying, you know, it's a very small box and blah, 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 but it is interesting to me that she apparently left two separate notebooks over at Dan's house. Like, I'm sure that those were just the filler that they had on right, hand, right. but- why why does Piper have so many notebooks and why does she keep leaving them at Dan's? That is a weird thing. Huh. So, anyway, Phoebe and Prue get home and 
those overalls, maybe. My word, those overalls. Yes. And Prue has brought the picture that she is getting printed in the magazine of uh, Finley Beck. It's brilliant! It's the picture she took of him going up the stairs. Apparently she captured his true essence. The essence of being a jackass. And to celebrate her work victory, she's gotten Phoebe a gift. She bought her a VHS copy of Kill It Before It Dies. And Phoebe grabs it and runs upstairs to furiously masturbate for the next 12 hours. Yup. Yup. She's gonna wear out that tape. And Prue looks after her and she's like, I wonder if she'll ever find real love. And... Oh, and then we get a really sad scene of Phoebe upstairs in her bedroom, laying on her bed, watching the film and, like, repeating Sally Mae's lines that she knows by heart, and, and watching Billy all lovelorn because, you know, he's her perfect man, and they can never be. They are star-crossed in the worst way in that he is fictional. It's... a. It's kind of a weirdly serious, weirdly intense note to end this episode on, but I really like it. I just love the way the last shot lingers on this wide shot of her on her bed just watching the VHS run out. Yes. Yeah. Like, it, it's this weird somber note to end on, but I do really like it. This is one of my favorite episodes of Charm. This is a pretty great episode. So that was Chick Flick chick flick singular singular all right i believe that will bring us to our own personal power of three uh let's look at the first power in our pack premonition as we gaze into the past present and future and see who from this episode is was or will become famous nobody right was it anyone so the guy who plays the demon looks really familiar. I feel like he's been kind of like the scuzzy guy in a lot of stuff. But I believe you found out something about him that I super did not know. Well, he mostly does voice work. So he is the creepy voice in The Conjuring, <laughs> The Strain. <laughs> he's a newscaster on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. He's a... Uh, it's funny, he's also additional voices on, like, every cartoon you've ever watched. So you might recognize his voice more likely than his his face if you watch this episode. I was also really excited to see, though, that the actress they have playing Bloody Mary is a stunt, is a stunt woman. Oh. I, I just love that they got a stunt woman to come do it. That's, like, I, I don't know why, but that, that made me happy. So, yeah, not a lot of... Of course, I actually don't think there was a premonition this episode either. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so we don't really have a premonition, and neither did Phoebe. Now, on to the second power in our pack, Time Freeze. What specifically dated this episode for you so much? Oh, I know, right? Like, the slasher villains in particular we got, although... They're all kind of old at this point. Well, yeah, I mean, that's not fair because they were each a different pastiche, right? Like, you wouldn't say something was a time freeze in WandaVision. Yeah. But I feel like, first of all, the idea of having film reels is itself a time freeze. The VHS tape being a big thing. Oh, my God, the VHS. Okay, kids today do not know the pain of having to track down a movie or a TV show that you wanted to watch that wasn't available at your local Suncoast Motion Picture Store. 
I, I, to bring it back to our other podcast, I drove two hours to buy the box set of Farscape on DVD because that's where, I know, it was terrible, because that's where it was available. Also, also, kids today do not know the pain of buying TV shows one episode at a time on VHS for like 30 bucks. Oof. So, my other one. Oh, yes. I mean, obviously that. My other one was in the last scene, Phoebe's Shorterals. Those felt very late 90s, early 2000s. Also, Phoebe's early girl band outfit. I mean, it feels like a cheat to go with Phoebe's clothes for time freeze, but let... They... Phoebe's, Phoebe's outfits are almost always a time freeze. God, Shorterals. Which will bring us to our last power... The last power in our pack... Telekinesis, what if anything genuinely moved you? For me, it's the last scene where we're seeing Phoebe watching the movie for the last time on her bed, being all sad. Like, that that, that, that made me feel the feels. That is accurate, yeah. it's Phoebe really sells it in that last scene. She and Billy didn't even have that much chemistry, but... I know, but... She sells it. Uh, she's Alyssa just... Milano brought it, though. Yeah. Also, I do feel like it, it maybe not a major telekinesis, maybe just moving some toys around at the beginning of an episode but uh-huh. i was also really feeling piper and leo's relationship in a way i don't always on this show yeah i do like them together as a couple a lot i am firmly team po but it's nice to see them just kind of having a good time and kind of enjoying you know the fact that they can be themselves around each other yeah see they're hit or miss for me as a couple because i like them when when things are good but when there's tension between them i um i astral project to to talk about our secret fourth power that didn't actually show up in this episode yes we do have a secret fourth power astral projection where uh what was so bad it made you want to physically leave your body but there was nothing like that in this episode because this is one of the best they did so next time we're going to talk about Ex Libris. Ooh. The sisters must find a demon responsible for the murder of one of Phoebe's classmates. Meanwhile, Dan discovers that Leo was previously married and decides to take matters into his own hands, while Prue attempts to help a man who's looking for a witness to his daughter's murder. Oh, if you're really, really big fans of us complaining about personal gain, get ready for this. <laughs> because that whole episode is just... What is personal gain, even? Although, and those demons, the the cleanup demons, are kind of a precursor to the cleaners. The cleaners Uh do not work. Like, oh man! Like, if you look at literally any part of Charmed when the cleaners should have shown up before, when they do, like it makes no sense that these guys would exist. And then after a certain point, they stop showing up anyway. So it's kind of like, what was the point of that? But you know what? We'll get to the cleaners in a few years. Uh, as for right now, that'll about do it. I think that's going to do it for this week. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd also like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, Benjamin, Kyle, Kate, and Jen. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode or any episode or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to the Hallowell Manor. Manor.